Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, And gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of our God, the Father. Let's pray. Hey God, we're here to meet with you. Whatever it is that brought us here today, God, you are here now. And so, Lord, through your word, God, I pray that you can encourage us, teach us. Um, God, we're just going to ask you to do whatever it is you want to do over the next few minutes. Um, But, God, use your word to do it. Um, We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, A lot of you I know, some of you I don't. But here's one thing that you got to know about me before you start something. Is that I'm the most competitive person that you will meet. And if you think you're more competitive, you're not. I'm more competitive, and we can compete at who's more competitive because it's me. And here's the thing about with competitive people, um, we hate to lose. Any, anybody else, like, just hates to lose? Okay, yeah. You guys are the ones I want on my team, right? I hate to lose. And it started, I'm, I'm still a sore loser, okay? I still, like, uh, Kentucky, that's my favorite basketball team, and uh, I don't know, you're all sorry, I get it, it's cool, um, just go to Rupp Arena, look in the banners and see how sorry you are, anyway, it doesn't matter, um, so anyway, they were playing uh, in the, the second round of the NCAA tournament, I was watching on my phone, someone made a stupid play, I snatched my phone, and God taught me a lesson because I broke my case, anyway, I'm super, like, I'm super competitive, I hate to lose, it's cooled down now a little bit that I'm older, and uh, I just don't have the energy to care anymore, but when I was a kid, it was bad, it was so bad when we got our Sega Genesis, and uh, I would lose all the time. You guys remember Sega Genesis, the card, you know, all that stuff? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it got, it was so bad because every time I would lose, y'all know what I would do? Or I was about to lose. I never lost in Sega, and I never lost at PlayStation because y'all know what happened when you're about to lose? Turn it off. If you turn it off, you can't lose. It doesn't go on your record. That's why I'm undefeated. I've never lost. Here's what was awesome. When our family upgraded from the Sega Genesis to the PlayStation 1, this sucker came with three buttons on the front. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, there was this huge circle button right here. It was the power button. It said power in green. And on this side, there was an open button to open up the hood so you could put your CD in. Got to do it very carefully because if you scratch it, you'll be stuck playing the same course the whole rest of the time. And then there was this little tiny button right above the power button called, anybody remember? The reset button. And here's what the reset button did for me. If I was losing, I could just sneak on up, hit the reset button, and slide on back, and my parents wouldn't hear the game start over, 
right? So like we would hit the reset button because we're losing, but also because I didn't want anyone else to know I was losing, and so I didn't want to turn the game off. But man, I remain undefeated in PlayStation 1 Crash Bandicoot uh, racing because I've, I've never lost. You've been on the internet and you're trying to watch a video and it just won't go. It's, it's that video you really, really want to watch, but it just won't play. And so what do you do? You go up to the top of the screen and you press the refresh button. I want to invite you to come back next week already. The sermon's not over. I know you, you probably wish it were, but it's not. Um, I want to invite you back because here's where this series is headed. Whether you've been a Christian your whole life or whether you fought with yourself today to just get here, everybody needs to restart. Everybody needs a refresh. Maybe you've, like I said, had a long week, had a long morning, and you just need to start over. Maybe you've had a long 2018 already. Or maybe it's been the past decade or however long it's been, and you just need to restart. Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about where does our restart, our refreshment come from. Uh, over the next, we're going to talk about how to refresh regularly. Uh, in the next few weeks, we're going to have some mind sh- mindset shifts as Christians or as people who want to refresh and restart. we got to start over in our mind. And so just stick with us through April as, as we do that. But let me, I just need to ask this question so we can pause for a minute. Who doesn't want to push the restart button every now and then? Every now and then, when you're just tired of getting beat, like you're just tired of losing, unless you're like LeVar Ball, right? I'll never lose. I'll never lose. Okay, you got to be a sports fan to know that, but you got to be a sports fan anyway because Jesus is a sports fan. Um, who doesn't need to, to refresh, man? Who doesn't need to start over every now and then, get up and push the reset button? We're going to meet a lady in the Bible this morning. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it to John chapter 5. I mean, John chapter 4. If you need a Bible, do we have volunteers passing out Bibles? We might. We will. We will in a second. Um, If you need a Bible, go ahead and just shoot your hand up real quick. They'll bring that to you. Listen, we want that to be our gift to you. There's no shame. Probably like 80% of our church uses those Bibles. And so uh, last week I forgot my Bible up here, and I had to use that one. Uh, So no shame. Use that. Look, if you want to follow along with us, you can follow us on the YouVersion Bible app and just search under the live event section, and you'll see Restore Church. Or... You can download the Restore Church app, and you'll follow along with everything that I'm seeing right here is on that app. And so uh, you can follow along with me there. But we're going to be in John chapter 4. We're going to let the Bible guide us. We do this every week. We let the Bible do the teaching um, and, and, the, and, and lead us spiritually, and then we'll make, make some applications at the end. John chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 4. Um, this, is how, this is how it reads. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining uh, and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it wasn't Jesus who was baptizing, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. All right, I need you to use your imagination with me for a second. All right, so you've got Virginia. I know some of y'all aren't from here or geography majors, so I'm going to help you. North Carolina, which is God's favorite state, is right here. Um, is, is right here. When we die, 
we will all wake up in North Carolina, okay? Because <laughs> that's where heaven is. Anyway, North Carolina. And then north of North Carolina is Virginia. Um, I don't have any jokes about Virginia. And then uh, God's favorite football team, which plays in South Carolina, Clemson, duh, everybody knows that, is south of us. So the geography is this, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, okay? The way that this is set up, so he, he says that it's time for him to go from Judea, which in our illustration is South Carolina, and he's going to go to Galilee, which in our story is Virginia. So North Carolina is right in the middle. You all have got to see this, man. So I grew up in the United States of America. These colors don't run. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I grew up here. And when you grow up in America, you grow up with some tendencies, right? Like, you grow up with, with your favorite restaurant. You grow up with, uh, I don't know. I, I have no, no more to say about that. You grew up in America, and it rocks. So, look, um, Jesus grew up Jewish, Jesus was not middle-class white. Jesus was olive-skinned. He was probably five foot eight, a little pudgy in the middle with a black beard, a little white sprinkled in it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, no, Jesus was Middle Eastern. He was olive-skinned, and he was Jewish. And so that comes with everything being Jewish comes with. Maybe even that lean toward what Jews lean toward. Here, here's how Jews thought of themselves, they were better than everybody else. Jews saw anybody else who wasn't Jewish as second class, third class, it didn't matter because you weren't first class. Because, here's why, Jews were God's chosen people. Man, I got to tell you, once you become a child of God, you do get a little extra, extra get up in your step. There is a little bit of pride that comes with, man, I'm, I'm a child of God especially once being chosen. But man, they took it a little bit too far. And right in the middle of Judea and Galilee sat Samaria. Now we've, I don't know why, maybe God has just done this the past few weeks. We've like talked about this the past few weeks here at Restore Church, haven't we? Samaria was like not God's country. As a matter of fact, if for a normal Jew, remember, it says that Jesus is going to go from Judea to Galilee. For a normal Jew to go from Judea to Galilee, what's the quickest way to get to somewhere, right? The quickest, the shortest distance between two points is what? It's a straight line. But not when racism is involved. And so what Jews would do is they would go around Samaria. Imagine having to go to Virginia, and instead of going through North Carolina, from South Carolina, you went around North Carolina just because of your hatred for the people who live here. You'd be wrong, but just for your hatred for the people who live here. A Jew that wanted to go from, from uh, Judea to Galilee would not go through uh, Samaria because they didn't want to share the same dust as a Samaritan. They didn't want to breathe the same air as the Samaritans because they felt like the Samaritans um, put a stain on the Jewish race by being, uh, by, by mixed breeding. We're not the first culture to deal with racism. I want to show you how Jesus dealt with it. This sermon is not about racism, uh, but it's definitely, we're not the first culture to deal with it. And we think here at Restored Church, the Bible has the answers to everything. Watch what Jesus does. Look at verse 4. 
Now he had to go through Samaria. But did he? This isn't like there was, there was roadblocks and so it's like, oh crap, now i got to drive through Samaria. This was like an ingrained thing in Jesus where he's like, man, I've got no choice, y'all. I have to go through Samaria. And then his very Jewish disciples are like, no, 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 this is not a good idea. And Jesus is like, no, you don't get it. I have to. Verse 5. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. It was about noon. Not only is Jesus walking through Samaria, not only is he sharing dust and breathing the same air, but he just put his butt down in Samaria. He just sat down. Verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Um, Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Do you see the tension in this passage? It's a Jew and a Samaritan. It's a man and a woman talking away from the family unit. We'll find out why that's not a shock here in a few minutes. It's the accepted, the Jew, talking to the outcast, the woman who is by herself. See, in this culture, women, when they went to work, if they went to work at all, they would go as groups of people, not by themselves. This woman is not only an outcast from the Jews, she's an outcast from her own society. And yet Jesus decides he has to go through Samaria. He just has to. And I, I'd imagine it's not there, and so this isn't in the scripture, but I imagine Jesus walking by and he's like, And I just have to sit there because I just have to talk to her. And so here's Jesus sitting in Samaria, talking to a Samaritan woman, the outcast, the savior of the world, talking to the scum of the first century. And so let's keep reading. Let's see how this story goes. Uh, He says, man, I, I... if you knew who would ask, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink of water. Verse 11 says, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this, where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Can we go back uh, real quick to the slide right before that? He says to her, I can give you this water, right? And then she says, sir, You have nothing to draw the water with. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Verse 12 is what I want you to see. You can kind of hear the sarcasm in her voice, can't you? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and he drank from it, and his livestock drank from it? Are you better than Jacob? Um, You can hear her sarcasm. 
again, this isn't what this, this sermon's about, but I, I just want to tell you, sarcasm is fun, right? It can be. Be careful. I used to say sarcasm was my love language. <laughs> um, if sarcasm becomes your love language, you start to see the world through those lenses. And then you become cynic. Then cynicism is your life, and then it becomes real, and it becomes bitterness. Sar- sarcasm is a defense mechanism. And you can hear the bitterness in this woman's voice, can't you? She's tired, y'all, from working. She's worn out from having to provide for herself, from living this beat-up life. You want to talk about losing, it's this woman. And it comes through in her voice. She's sitting across from Jesus. She doesn't know who he is, but he knows who she is. And she, he says, man, just ask me for a, for a drink of water. And she's like, you don't even have anything to give. Are you better than Jacob? That's her default, is to go towards sarcasm. Because, man, she's tired She's worn, and she needs a refresher, right? She needs to be refreshed. She needs a restart. So let's keep reading. John chapter 4, verse 15 and 20. Uh, Sorry, the next one, yeah. So the woman says to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus like, okay, you want to play this game? Go call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she replied. And then Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see, I can see now that you are a prophet, and our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but the Jews claim that the place to, that we must worship is in Jerusalem. This woman needs a restart, doesn't she? I mean, she's had, you want to talk, you know why she's at the well? Because she's thirsty. <laughs> Y'all have been waiting all week to say that joke. What I didn't anticipate was laughing at my own joke. It's all right. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Sorry. If you missed it, you missed it. Sorry. But uh, this woman, she needs, she needs a restart, doesn't she? She needs to start over. And what she doesn't realize is the person sitting right in front of her can do that. How have you seen love portrayed? How have you seen love demonstrated in your life? Maybe you grew up in a broken home where love was demonstrated by beating each other up and screaming at each other until you just couldn't do it anymore, so you just had to leave. Maybe love for you is, is a, a touch-and-go kind of thing. It's, it's just a feeling, and sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. When it's not, you just got to fake it till you make it, and then eventually it'll be there. For this woman, love, love was people coming to her and taking taking, taking. And that's not what love is. Biblical love? Biblical love is to give without, expre- without expectation of receiving. What biblical love looks like, what real love looks like, is to give, 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 and that's it. 
It's not to give so that you'll get back. It's not to give so you'll have one up. And listen, if that's what your marriage is built on, you need to refresh yourself. If you're in a relationship and all it is is take, 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 and it's not give, 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 or if you're keeping score, that's not what love is, and you need to restart. Love is to give, give, give. So let me ask you, how have you seen love portrayed? You guys know the song uh, Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen, and it's so sad when it gets to this point where he says, maybe there is a God above. And what he says next is, maybe there is a God, but I've not seen that kind of love. Because what he says is, maybe there is a God above, but all I've ever seen from love was how to shoot somebody who outdrew you. Maybe you've seen love look like that. This woman really needs, for the first time in her life, to see a love that gives and gives, and it doesn't stop giving. And Jesus has just offered that to her. He says, I will create in you a well, a spring that will come up from inside. You know, this worn life you have, this tired life you have, this broken, losing life that you have, why don't you restart? I can erase all of that with the joy that comes with a love that gives with no expectation of receiving. She needs that. And maybe you do too. Uh, let's, let's wrap this passage up. In John chapter 4, verse 21 to 26, woman, Jesus replied. He says, believe me, a time is going to come when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship from what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Remember, Jesus is Jewish. Salvation is going to come from them. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And she is just like, can't get enough. I need this. The woman says, I know that the Messiah, the Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus says, I am he. I am the one who's speaking to you. And I, I can't imagine the feeling that she had. The, the overwhelming sense of, why aren't you asking me for something in return? We're alone. Why aren't you trying to take advantage of me? Why are you just offering this to me? We need that kind of love, don't we? Have you ever, you ever been loved like that? Maybe you have. A really good mom, a really good dad, they'll love you that way. But for some of us, we haven't. But all of us, at the same time, we have. I'm not a motorhead uh, by any means. Uh, I know where the brake is, and I know where the gas is. Sometimes I know where the gas pedal is more than the brake pedal, but, um, you know, uh, sorry. When we're talking about this kind of love that just gives, 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 I, this isn't written here, but a really good wife, a really good husband, they also love that way. And as I'm preaching this, that's how my wife loves me. I can't outgive her. She's just better at it, and that's my excuse. But, I, man, I just can't. 
Like, no, even if I were to try and develop a plan, right, to, to love, to give more, I just, I just can't. And, you know, when I think about the way my wife loves me that way, I don't deserve it. Sometimes I can be a real crappy husband. And there's probably a better word to describe that than crappy. But it's Easter. I can be a real selfish person. But my wife doesn't keep score. (laughs) She just loves me anyway. And when we think about this love, this overwhelming, relentless love that we get from God, we don't deserve it, do we? All right, back to the motorhead part. Rolls Royce, anybody have one? No. (laughs) Uh, Rolls Royce are... (laughs) I know y'all, okay, all right. I walked through the parking lot. Um, Rolls Royce, man, they're, they're these, real, these super expensive cars, and when they first came out, they came out with this, uh, the advertisement that it's the car that will never break down. So this really rich guy, because you got to be really rich to buy a Rolls Royce, he orders a Rolls Royce. It's the car that's never going to break down. Who wouldn't want to do that? It's a great investment. It's probably what he told his wife to trick her to let him buy it. So he bought it. They shipped it to him in Germany, the car that will never break down. And can you imagine the anticipation? Man, I order something off of Amazon, and I'm at the doorstep like, come on, I can't wait for my business cards to get here. He ordered a Rolls Royce, and finally it gets here, and, uh, and so he's like, man, I live in Germany. I'm going to take it and drive it Autobahn, right? I, I'm going to take this thing and just drive it as fast as I can because this is a car that will never break down, and sure enough, wouldn't you know it, he's flying, and then he hears, do, 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 do. And the car that never broke down broke down. So the man who's filthy rich, he's like, no problem. I'm just going to call Rolls Royce and say, hey, my car broke down. So he calls him, and he says, hey, uh, having, having some issues. My car broke down while I was flying on the highway. Don't know what to do. I can't fix it. And they said, okay, we'll send a mechanic. He'll be there tomorrow. So the, the, the rich man, he sits back. The, the guy gets there. He fixes his car, and uh, the man gets in his car. It drives like it's brand new. He doesn't have a problem with it. And so a month goes by, though, and the man realizes, man, I've never paid for the, I've never paid for the repairs. What, you know, I, I'm, I'm wealthy enough. So he calls Rolls-Royce, and he says to Rolls-Royce, hey, you guys sent a mechanic about a month ago to fix my car, my Rolls-Royce car that will never break down. You sent a mechanic to fix it. I'm calling to pay my bill. What, what do I owe you? And the person on the other side of the phone said, sir, we don't have any record of anything ever going wrong with your car. Yeah, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. And you have been loved with a love that gives, gives, gives with no expectation of receiving anything back. You have been loved in such a way that anytime you want, at any moment, you can hit the refresh button. You've been losing, I know. 
And we're giving you permission without shame. The gospel's giving you permission without shame to stand up and push the button to start all over again. The refreshing, it comes from Jesus. And it will give you a well. Maybe you're sitting there and you're like, I'm the cynic. I'm bitter. I'm worn. I'm tired. I'm the the bottom of the social barrier. I'm the outcast. And Jesus is like, look, listen. I can give you a well inside you that just bursts and it will never make you thirsty again. We all need that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, no resumes, no background checks, that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. On Friday, um, Friday was Good Friday. Uh, it's good for us. I don't know how good it is. it was for Jesus, but it's kind of sick to me that we call it Good Friday, but whatever, stick with it. Um, and and I, I was at work on Friday, and what I did was I set some alerts to my phone that would give me reminders during the day of what was happening at that moment. And so at, uh, well, let's, let's read what happened. Mark chapter 15, verse 21, it says this, just, just listen. You've been loved with a love that gives with no expectation. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on the way in from the country, and they forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And when they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, then they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you're going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they mocked Jesus among themselves. He can save others, but he can't even save himself. Verse 32 says, Let the Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who crucified him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing near heard, they said, He's calling Elijah. Some ran, or someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, offered it to Jesus to drink. And then he said, Now leave him alone and let's see if Elijah can come down uh, to take him. Verse 37. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. On Friday at 9 a.m., my phone beeped like it came up and it said, Jesus is crucified. 
And I had to walk away from, I don't know, whatever it was I was doing. Because here's the reality. At 9 a.m. on Friday, when it says that they put him on the cross, it was because of me. At 9 a.m. when it came up and it said, Jesus, Jesus is being crucified right now, it was because of me that a man died such a miserable, awful death because of my sin. And then that afternoon, so I just went on working and doing some other things. My mind, uh, you know, I, I started to work, and so you forget about some things. And every now and then a, another text will come or a message will come and say, it's noon, so it's dark. And then at 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 three, there was like five or six of us all sitting around uh, a, a booth. And at three o'clock, it, it came up and it said, um, Jesus died because of me. And I had to look out the window so everyone didn't see me cry. <laughs> because the reality is that Jesus hung on the cross because of me. And because of you. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. <clears throat> and it was my sin that held Jesus on the cross. And man, that's... I would probably live my life like that woman. I would be bitter. I would have regret. I would be worn and I would be tired. If I had to go on living thinking, though, that Jesus stayed dead... Like Jesus died on the cross for me because of me. Jesus died on the cross because of me. But Matthew or Mark 15 turns into Mark 16. And it says that there's some women and they get together. It was Mary and Mary and Simone. And they're like, let's go. We got to wash Jesus. We got to clean up his body the day after he died. So let's go. And then on their way down there, they're like, who's going to roll away the tomb? I don't know. Who's going to roll away the stone? I don't know. You do crossfit you can do it and so then they finally get there right they get there mark chapter 16 they get there and it says but when they looked up they saw that the stone which was very large had been rolled away verse 5 as they entered the tomb they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed and this is what he says do not be alarmed you're looking for jesus the nazarene who was crucified he's risen he's not here See, here's the place where they laid him. And when I woke up this morning, I had a notice on my phone. I said, Jesus has risen. Yeah, Jesus died because of me. But he rose from the grave, catch this, for me. Because now I have hope that this life is not all there is. I have hope that the power that rose Jesus from the grave can resurrect my broken, worn, tired, bitter life. I have hope that there is something after this. I have hope, a real hope, and it's a joy that just bursts inside of me because Jesus paid it all. And all to him I owe. Look, if you need a refresh or restart, you're not going to find it anywhere else. Anywhere else than in Jesus. And man, that's why, that's why today we celebrate Easter. Thank you, Jesus.
I don't deserve to be loved the way you love me. I don't deserve to, to experience the hope. God, you know my life and you know how broken it can be. God, you know the things I've done, the things I've said, the things I've thought. But yet you say, you are still my son. And then, so God, on, on today as we celebrate Easter, God, give us a moment where we can reflect on our crap and, 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 the, and the sins and the the pain that we've caused people and you, let us reflect on the, the depth of the things that we've done that caused you to go to the cross. But God, let us think more and celebrate more that there's a new life and a resurrection. And God, if you can raise Jesus from the dead, you can raise our lives back to something new. So, God, we love you, and we are so thankful for you. And so we pray all these things in the name of the risen Jesus. Amen.